Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome to another episode of Mario's Minutes. This is going to be the episode for June of 2019, and in case you do not know, this is a second podcast that I do where it is either just I by myself or I have a guest on, depending on the month. I've been trying to do every other month alternative, so uh, last month I end up having D Green on there. This month I'm going to be by myself, and next month I'm going to try and get a guest. I have no idea who yet, but uh, we'll see if we get one or not, so hopefully we will because I've been really good about that this year. Anyways, this is a podcast that I had started up, let's see, in January of 2018, and I started this because I just wanted to talk about whatever the hell I want to, so I can talk about gaming stuff, I can talk about modding stuff, I can talk about personal life stuff, what have you, and I think we're kind of going to be doing a bit of a mix of everything this time around, so... I don't know what we're going to be talking about this episode yet, 100%. I have kind of an outline, but we'll just get into this here. Anyways, as I said, this is a second podcast. My main and first podcast is Mod Chat, which is a live stream which happens every month with my co-host Devin, otherwise known as Paranoid Coder. If you are interested in that, you can check out Mod Chat in your favorite podcasting app, any of your favorite podcasting services, most of them at least, and of course on YouTube, the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel. Exact same thing with Mario's Minute. So because this is a podcast, it is available in traditional podcast form if you want to get the download of it. So there we go. You can just look it up wherever you want to, or you can watch the video here on YouTube. But either way, let's go ahead and get into a few things. And one of the things I'd like to talk about is, let's see, I'd like to discuss... The recent channel milestone, and even kind of the the timing of this as well, too. So actually, let let me get into the timing real quick, Uh, because normally I I drop these episodes at the very end of the month, like the last uh, Wednesday of the month, Uh, but because of some personal things that had come up, uh, nothing bad, thankfully, just like scheduling conflicts, uh, we saw that it would be better, Devin and I, to do mod chat near the end of the month. So because of that, I had not recorded uh, Mario's Minute yet, and I said, let's let's bring out Mario's Minute a week early, and we'll just delay Mod Chat by a week. So not the first time we've done it, and seems to be just fine. But anyways, talking about the, uh, let's actually now get into the uh, most recent milestone here. In case you do not follow me on YouTube, which if you don't and you found this podcast, I'd be quite surprised, and I'd actually really like to know how that happened, but either way... I ended up hitting 100,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. I think at the moment right now, I know Social Blade is a bit inaccurate, but just looking at it, I am recording this right now on Sunday, June 16th, and I am just under 103 subscribers. I want to say it was May 21st that I ended up hitting that goal, and it had been it had been a long time coming, y'all. Uh, I just want to say, you know, first of all, thank you. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the channel, who has supported it in some way, who has viewed, because all those little bits over time have added up into something real awesome and something that I never, never, ever anticipated that would happen. To be completely honest with you all, it was actually quite nerve-wracking. Uh, I'm one of those people, so just a full disclosure, uh, I feel like I'm a pretty social person, but I'm also introverted at the same time. Most people think if you're an introvert, you're antisocial, or if you're extroverted, you're super social. It's not always the case. I've kind of described myself as a social introvert, where I can talk with people, I can enjoy being around people, but man, I, ha- I have to have my downgrade time, I have to have my nothing time, I have to be by myself. And it's been 
real interesting doing this YouTube thing. It's helped me out with several different things, several different uh, ventures wouldn't be the proper word, but it just helped me out with several things in my personal life as well. Of course, you know, building up an online presence, having some experience with this as well too. Uh, But at the same time, you know, you have a lot of eyes on you as well, more than I ever imagined. So I just want to say like right now, it, it was never, ever ever my goal and still to this day is it is not my goal to ever like be the number one youtube modding gaming relate like console related resource i never want to have the largest channel like i <laughs> i you know if this channel if i could have it at this point if i could stay around the 60 70 000 subscriber range i would have been perfectly fine with that Like, that would have been large enough to me. I would have been like, awesome, this is great. You know, it's a good amount of, you know, it's a respectable number. Uh, It shows that I've really put some work in on the channel, that I have a good following. The view count is doing pretty well as well, too. So I think this is good overall. But I think that would be, like, my optimal kind of tap-out time if, if I could choose to pick a time where I could be like, okay, at this point, my channel's not growing anymore. But the channel right now is still continuing to grow. And, I mean, it's been getting... You know, ever since it was around 100,000 subscribers, it's now been growing about 100, 150 subscribers a day, which is much faster than I ever anticipated. So, I mean, big thank you to everyone who has been long-time subscriber, short-time subscriber, if you're just viewing, you know, what have you on there. Uh, but it's it's definitely been interesting. You know, it's... I guess with some of the stuff that's personally helped me out with, I kind of just want to talk about this a bit. I did have a 100,000 subscriber special video, which that was really fun to work on. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I recommend you all check it out. I am planning to do a Q&A at one point. Honestly, at this point, I'm really just waiting to see if I get the confirmation that I'm getting a 100,000 subscriber plaque. And the idea is if I do get one of those... I say if because YouTube's been a little bit iffy with them recently, but if I am allowed to get one, I will register, I will get one, and then once I get one, I'm going to do an unboxing and a Q&A all in one. So that's essentially what I'm waiting for next. A few people have asked when I'm doing the Q&A. I talked about it in that video, and I've talked about it here as well. But I, I know just with some stuff that the channel has helped out with, of course, first of all, it's no secret this channel is monetized. Uh, I've had this channel partnered and monetized since October of 2011. Uh, so it's definitely helped out with, at minimum, giving me some justification that I'm not completely wasting my time, that the time and effort I'm putting into this, I'm getting something out of it. And even the money has grown over time. But it's always been a respectable amount for me to kind of put back into the channel. So the consoles or the hardware or the software that I am buying in order to use to make videos for the channel kind of sort of pays for itself at times because of the income that is coming in with that. Uh, Now, it has definitely grown within the past year, really. It's grown as well, too. And one thing I do want to say is I've been very firm on this really since the beginning. I am not trying to do uh, YouTube as a career move. I am not trying to do YouTube full time. Mainly just do the fact that, I I mean, to sum it up in two facts. One, uh, this platform is extremely volatile. Tomorrow, YouTube could say, we're going to demonetize your entire channel. Uh, A week from now, they could say, we're going to terminate your channel. Uh, three weeks from now, they could make a change, which ends up affecting anybody who has, let's say, under 200,000 subscribers. It's it's not a, uh, 
it's not a stable platform for that. So, yeah, I know you can branch out, you can do other things such as merchandise or go into streaming, what have you and such, uh, but my thing is, you know, I've, I've dabbled in that, like I have merchandise, I have some other things, um, and the numbers aren't really, like, huge on those by any means. A bulk of what I make is through ad revenue. Uh, my other successful thing I've done with this, I guess, in terms of money has been affiliate links. Those have done pretty well, uh, surprisingly well, like surprisingly better than I had ever expected. But aside from that, you know, like overall what I'm making like yearly on here, uh, it's still well under the line of poverty. So for that, it's like I had always imagined I would do this as what I call a paid hobby. So when I was in college, that's when this first started. It was really gaining some traction. I was, you know, the little bit of money I was getting, I was enjoying whatever I was making. It worked out well enough. And then even after, even after I finished college and such, uh, I ended up, I was, when I started, you know, working a full-time job and such, I was still doing this. And that's one thing that I personally hold near and dear to myself uh, because I noticed there's a lot of people who, in high school, they started doing YouTube, they started getting paid for it, and then as soon as something better came up, they stopped doing YouTube. So, for example, let's say they started doing YouTube in high school, and oh man, it was paying better than a fast food job, so there's no reason to get that. But then you go to college, you start doing college stuff, you get a little bit too busy, so YouTube might fall to the wayside. Or even people who, for example, I've seen many people who really go hard at YouTube in college, and that's when they get monetized, and as opposed to getting a part-time job in college, they make YouTube their part-time job. So that's what they're doing, and they do well enough. And then once they graduate college and they get a adult job, or a real job as some people call it, then they just abandon YouTube completely. Because they say, oh, I don't have the time for this, I don't have the effort for this, oh, well, it's not worth it anymore. Uh... For me, I never ever looked at YouTube as a job. I always looked at it as a hobby, and then when I started getting paid, I said, you know what, this is a paid hobby, I'm gonna, you know, continue to do this and see wherever it goes. And I think it's done quite well. I think it's definitely done well. And even with the way it is right now, just that it's, you know, as I said, the money I'm making is still under the poverty level. I'm actually pretty happy with that, just because it's not a tempting thing of, oh, you know, maybe I should just quit what I'm doing tomorrow and do this full time. I think it still keeps me grounded. I still I still have something to come back to. So if there's like a video that I'm working on or a project that I'm working on, uh, you know, I have at minimum eight, nine hours that I have to step away from it and I go to my job and then I'm just constantly thinking of this like in the back, but it's not like a it's not a longing of, oh, I don't want to be here. It's a, I'm so excited to work on this. I can't get wait to get back home and just sink my teeth into whatever this project or this video is. And I really like that. Um, I think that really comes through on my videos as well, too, that I'm not just uploading content. For the most part, I'm really not just uploading content just to get it out there. I'm really not just, you know, trying to spam as much as I can. Uh, and, you know, the whatever I'm putting out is something that I'm happy with for the most part. So I think that's kind of, you know, how that, cha how the channel has gone through there and such. But I just kind of wanted to talk about this a bit too. Like some of the things that th this channel has really helped me out with, uh, first of all, you know, because I have to, I, you know, I'm, I'm talking, I do things like this. 
it's really improved my public speaking abilities. So this is funny to me, at least. I have had like in college, like my freshman year, I had a college, a, I had a uh, public speaking class. Unfortunately, because of the damn final, I got a B in there. I could have gotten an A. And because of like some other stuff with my final speech, I, I got a standing ovation for my final speech. All right. But I got a B on that thing because of some some stuff. Anyways, I'm not salty at all about it. <laughs> anyways what ended up happening with that was i remember i was able to get through that pretty effortlessly i've been able to do other speeches as well too and talk at other events in front of a bunch of different people and my secret to that is i pretend that i'm making a video so you know how people give you advice when you have to get up in front of your class or speak in front of a lot of people and this was so common in elementary school it was imagine one of them i heard like through you know tv and movies and all that was pretend everyone is in their underwear i never understood that because that's just kind of awkward and it's probably going to make you laugh that's just weird that's really weird to me i never got that one the other one which one of my one of my teachers tried to instill in us in like fourth or fifth grade was she said Look into the audience, pick out two of your closest friends, and imagine everyone else is penguins. I, no, none of those ever worked for me. None of those ever worked for me. Uh, I'll tell you what works for me, which I am a small minority when it comes to this. Because if I tell you, I'm just saying my method, first of all, I don't recommend this unless you're in a similar position like me. But my recommended, well, like, not, it's not recommended. No, no, stop. <laughs> My method of getting past any fear of public speaking is I look at the room, and as opposed to it being 20 or 100 people or what have you, I imagine it's one giant DSLR camera. And then it makes it so much easier for me, because I just imagine that I'm sitting in front of a camera and a microphone, and I'm making a video. Except I might not be able to use my hands as much, and I just have to realize that, oh, this is kind of more of a stream. So I can't like mess up and then be all like, okay, take two, take two. So anyways, no, take three. I can't do that, unfortunately. So I didn't even think of that last part until quite recently. But yeah, I kind of just imagine I have a giant camera in front of me and I'm just doing a one-time stream and that's about it. Plus my logic, when I just thought very logically about it, I was thinking, you know, there's been many videos I've uploaded where I've goofed here and there, or something doesn't look right, or something doesn't sound right, or I mispronounce something. And some of these videos are getting hundreds of thousands of views. So why in the name of any higher being am I so afraid of giving a speech to 40 people, which 30 of them are going to forget about, and this only matters to maybe two of them? And, you know, just when I made it logical like that as well, too, that that really helped me out. And that was real early on as well. I know when it came to job things as well, too, I I feel like I've said this before and I'm not sure where on the channel, but I have put my channel on my resume as well. And every single manager I have had has seen my channel or they have asked me about it like they have been aware so that's also one thing that I am proud of as well too uh, I'm not someone here who's you know just like 
acting like a clown on camera or anything, at least for the most part. I'm not one of those people who's using, you know, a profane word every second or third word that comes out of my mouth. I'm not a drama channel. I'm not a trolling channel. I don't do anything like that. Uh, I personally, I've grown up with tech. I work in tech. I have a tech-related channel. So one of my managers, I remember one of my former managers, he even straight up said one time, that he had seen my channel before he talked to me and he saw it and he said that was a big reason why I got hired because he said if this is what this dude does in his free time imagine if we can take like what he is doing not the same projects but like that same mindset and his same level of effort and then pay him to do a full-time job that is not at all similar to what I do on YouTube but you know something that's going to be very technical that's going to require me to do a lot of troubleshooting to really think outside the box to follow instructions or kind of you know create my own documentation such and reteach people when need be i'm kind of doing all those things kind of had my hands all over the place in certain things like that so this has certainly helped with that as well too and even when it comes down to it if when i bring things up i've I feel like I've cooled down a bit about it, but at one point, you know, I used to talk about my channel here and there, and then I would kind of hold back, and it was really my, uh, some of my friends would bring it up or something, and I was always really iffy about it. I was always so iffy, and it even got to the point where I think this is kind of the introvert in me. I don't want a bunch of attention shown on me. And it never made sense, and I, I guess I can put it out, because I know a lot of YouTubers go out and say, yeah, I don't like it when people ask me about my channel in real life, or like friends and family are asking me about it, or they're showing it off. And I get it from both sides. Like, when you have friends and family, they're proud of what you did, so they want to share what you're doing. But just think of it, I guess the way I looked at it, I could think of it like this. Uh, one of my good friends... He, every single time, every single time we hung out for years, every, I am not exaggerating, that's why I'm repeating this, every single time he somehow brought up my channel, and it was really uncomfortable, really annoying, I didn't say anything about it, I'm trying to get better about that as well too, just one of those personal things, I didn't say anything about it, and then I ended up, just one time, I pulled him to the side, I'm like, you can't keep doing this. I hate it when you do this, alright? You have literally done this every single time we've hung out for the past three years, what is the deal? And he, you know, he kind of just said, he's like, look, I've wanted to do some video stuff with you. I understand, like, I am a little bit jealous even at a level as well. Um, but I think it's really cool. But I, I understand where you're coming from. I'm like, cool, you know, just please don't do that. Just please don't. And, and to his credit, he stopped. Uh, but sometimes you do have to just straight up bring it up like that. Uh, you can't just kind of skirt around it or change a subject or hope it goes away. Sometimes you just have to bring it up and, you know, somebody will listen. And if they still don't, then, oh, man, I don't know what you do. Maybe just maybe just drop them at that point or something. I don't know if they can't respect your wishes. But the way I, I kind of figured that is imagine I'm just trying to think of something that most people would have. And if you don't, you know. It's fine, I understand there's different circumstances and all that, um, so I'm not saying everyone has to have this, but I'm saying most people. Imagine you graduate from high school, right? You graduate from high school, you get your diploma, and imagine you have a friend who, this is two, three, four, five years after the fact, every single time you all go out, he mentions, oh, yeah, this guy, like whoever I'm talking to, let's say 
Ryan, for example. It's like, there could, there could be nothing, nothing at all related to the topic. And he'll just say, yeah, well, you know, Ryan has a diploma and he graduated this year from this high school and it had this many people in the, in the graduating class. It's like, okay, that was entirely random and kind of inappropriate to bring up. Like, you didn't bring up anything bad, but why are you bringing that up? But then imagine that, again, every single time you hang out with this certain friend, that is brought up. And yes, I'm sure that having a diploma, it's something you worked hard for. It's something that, you know, you are proud of at some level. But you don't want it bring, brought up every single time. You don't need a hype man telling every single person that you meet, oh yeah, Ryan has a diploma. Hey, yeah, have you met my friend Ryan? He has a high school diploma. Hey, Ryan here has a diploma. And I think that's how it can be. And some people look, some people look at it differently because they say, yeah, well, you know, this YouTube channel is public. You're out in public. You're talking to these people in public. What, what, what's the difference with this? A lot of people just don't want it constantly brought up. And I'm very much one of those people. Uh, plus, I also, you know, it, it's gotten, it's no lie. It, it's gotten to the point where the channel is, you know, at a large size, I would say. At least I consider it to be a large size. And when people will see some stuff like that, they'll act differently. I've seen it for years. Um, and typically when I see people who are like that, I kind of just try to steer clear of them. Because I'm like, you know what? I want you to be cool with me. Not what I have, not what I represent. I want you to be cool with me, with who I am. So now even when I bring it up to people, it might just be a casual like, oh yeah, I was working on some content this weekend, or I was creating this, or I had to do a recording for something. Um, but if they are a really good friend of mine, you know, after, if they haven't figured it out or something, I might just bring it up to them at one point. Uh, but it's even, you know, there's been many times where, now, even with the channel, it's been, uh, <laughs> I've, I've had friends, I've had coworkers who have just organically found my channel, and they're looking up some stuff that could be on the channel, they find one of my videos, or they have it randomly recommended to them, and that's been really cool as well. One last thing I, I want to talk about as well, too, is, um, I never brought this up on here, I never did, but this is kind of just... A nice representation of how this this channel has affected me uh, in my real life as well too. There was a few years ago, uh, there was a family friend of mine who ended up passing away, and we had a memorial service for him. I I just attended. That was it. Uh, but what ended up happening was my family and I end up going, and I brought my camera with me, and I even asked my dad. I said, Hey, um, do you know if there's going to be any recording? Like, do you think it'd be appropriate if I brought my camera, and if there was no recording, I could do a recording of the event, and I can share it with people, and he said, yeah, that'd be a good idea, I haven't seen anything about it, and the setup was, it wasn't the best, they were a little bit underprepared and such, but unfortunately, no one had thought of recording this event, and not only something just for the family to have, but not my family, but just, you know, the family of the departed to have, but something for their friends, their colleagues, their co-workers, something that can be shareable. So what I did was I brought my DSLR, I had my microphone with me, I brought a tripod, and it was thankfully small enough in a baggie, so it wasn't like I was taking up a whole ton of space. Uh, I got everything set up, I, I made myself quiet, I kept, made sure I was, you know, out of the frame of anything. I'm proud of what I recorded. I recorded, you know, a 30-40 minute memorial towards a dear family friend that passed away. And then, you know, later that night when I got home, I took all the footage, I edited it together, 
I made, you know, I, I improved the sound, I did a few other just small edits, and then I ended up rendering out a few copies. Uh, I rendered out a Blu-ray copy that I authored, I rendered out a DVD copy that I authored, uh, I also ended up just rendering out a H.264 MP4 copy that was shareable through a link. And what I did at the time was I said, you know, I pretty much had a email blast go out and I said, hey, this is the memorial if you want to check it out, either streamable or download it for offline use. The video is right here. Uh, if anybody is wanting any physical copies of it on Blu-ray or DVD, I will burn it and ship it anywhere free of charge if you are physically too far away from me. Please let me know. And the only people that wanted it was the family, and they were really grateful. Um, they said they wanted three DVDs, so I burned off three DVDs of it, and uh, I never had to do anything else with it. But I just had kind of a, a moment of realization where I was like, you know what? The camera I'm using, I would have never bought unless I got annoyed with what I was doing on YouTube. Like, uh, I used to have an old camcorder I used to do things with on YouTube. One of my camcorders. I had, like, a JVC Averio camcorder when I was really coming up on YouTube. And I was starting to get into soldering and starting to get into smaller things, and I needed something that was bigger and that could, you know, actually zoom in properly. So I got a DSLR. My first DSLR was a Canon Rebel EOS SL1. That shit cost me more than my rent. Yes, I know my rent was cheap <laughs> for my camera to cost more than my rent but damn it that really hurt as a college student literally like two days i i remember this clear as day two days after i got the camera i was holding it and i tripped in my apartment and it was like in slow motion i kind of had this realization where i was like i'm tripping and i'm holding my camera no i have paid way too much to destroy this thing so like in the middle of the air I ended up twisting my body, so I ended up just banging my shoulder real hard against the floor, but I had the camera nice and cradled, because I was like, I'm not, I'm not about to break this thing, I'm not about to let a scratch get on it, <laughs> um, but yeah, I ended up getting that camera because of YouTube. Uh, my software suite, I use the Adobe suite, I learned it when I was in high school, thankfully that was about the only thing my video production class was good for, because the teacher really wasn't doing all that much, unfortunately, but... I end up getting that, and I do have the software legitimately, thankfully, because of YouTube, because this is what I'm using to do all of my videos, all of my audio stuff, well, most of my audio stuff, I would say, and because of that, I, you know, I use Adobe, and that allowed me to take the video and edit it. The microphone, the external microphone I got, uh, I was annoyed with the sound quality on that camera, so I upgraded my microphone, all thanks to YouTube stuff. Uh, finally, you know, my tripod as well. I was able to uh, get that because I needed something good to stand for my camera to stand on, got a tripod. And really what I'm saying with all this, and of course, you know, all, all the, even the audio editing and all the other little stuff, I didn't do that much editing, but just all the things that I picked up on over the years, none of that would have been possible um, if if I wasn't doing YouTube as a hobby for so many years. And I just think that it's beautiful that something that you know, I've been pursuing and you all, you all didn't know about this at all. I never shared this publicly. You all did not know about this until now, until you're listening to it. But just by you all, you know, listening, watching, subscribing to the channel, participating, commenting, all that stuff, uh, 
that's that's helped me, you know, continue to make content. That's continued to help me sharpen whatever little skills I have in this. Uh, help me, you know, improve my video quality, improve my audio quality where I can. It's not perfect, but it's much better than it was, you know, years ago. And I feel like, you know, many things can be better, but many things have also improved. And really what I'm saying on this is, you know, thank you for that. Because of, you know, situations like that, I've been able to help out family. I've been able to help out friends and you know, any of that, the hardware, the software, if I didn't do YouTube, I would have no need for that. Like, why Why would I have the Adobe suite? So I could edit one random video every eight months? Why would I have a DSLR? So I could, I don't know, every three, four months, pick up photography and randomly take some photos of birds and squirrels and grass outside and maybe record one or two videos. I didn't even know you could record videos with a DSLR when I bought one, all right? When, when I was gunning after one, I was thinking of getting a really nice camcorder. And then I noticed all the videos on YouTube I saw that I really liked were used with DSLRs. So I ended up picking up a DSLR, and that is that was the first big upgrade I ever did for the channel, I would say. Um, I had a capture card. That was a big upgrade. Not I mind you on that. But I, w- I would definitely say, you know, that w- that was the first big investment I made in, on the channel, getting a DSLR, and I have no regrets on that. And I have a second one now. Uh, my first one I am going to be giving to family at this point because uh, I've upgraded to a Panasonic G7, which I am extremely happy with. And I've been also learning the photo side of it as well, too. So I'm pretty happy when it comes to that. I am going to miss the Canon, but that Panasonic is just better for video and such. I'll tell you that. So thank you. Really, thank you. Uh, I know I've kind of rambled on here and there, but (laughs) man, one other thing I want to talk about, this is not 100,000 subscriber related, but I wanted to talk about uh, meeting one of my oldest subscribers, I would say, subscribed for the longest time on the channel. So I don't remember his last, the the numbers, His, his username is James and four numbers. And James, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I I don't know your numbers off the top of my head, and I don't feel like searching for it right now. But I ended up meeting up with one of my oldest subscribers, and occasionally I do this if there is someone who I've had, you know, a a good, uh, you know, good contact with before, and I find out I might be in their area, or they might be in my area, you know, they might reach out to me, I might reach out to them, and if the schedule allows, we'll try and meet up. I've, I've met up with several people offline. I mean, hell, that's actually how I met my podcast co-host, Devin. Um, He was in the, he, yeah, he was about in the same area as me. He was close enough. And uh, we started talking. He seemed like a cool dude. And we met up and then we met up again. And then we hung out a few times and we became pretty good friends. And you know, it's it's up until this point. He's one of my best friends and he's my podcast co-host and so much more. So awesome, dude. So thank you, Devin. But this guy, James, so real awesome dude, uh, he has, he, he is without a doubt one of my oldest subscribers because I can, correct me if I'm wrong if you're listening, dude, I am pretty sure this guy was one of my first 1,000 subscribers. And again, the channel as I'm recording right now is just under 103,000 subscribers. And it didn't happen overnight. This was like, like the channel started 11 years ago, but I really didn't start actively getting into the channel until, you know, three years after I made it. So within 2011 to 2012, that's probably when James got in, because I even had asked at one point, I was like, 
I'm pretty sure, but have you been watching me since like 2012? And he said, yeah. So what happened was he ended up messaging a few of us and he said, hey, I'm in this area here. This is kind of weird. I said, dude, that, hold on, message me. Uh, what's going on? And I found out that he was close enough where we would be able to drive out and meet up each other, uh, meet up with each other. So we ended up doing that. And it's funny because he knows exactly how I look. He's seen me. He's heard me for years. Um, I have heard him speak one time and I never saw him. So I was like, okay, I have no idea what this guy looks like, but this will be fun. He was, he was here for a family event and we end up meeting at a store. So I remember like I was looking around, I was waiting for him and we were DMing each other. And then I said, cool. Like when he arrived, I said, cool, I'm going to go over to this area. And when I went over, I had no idea what he looked like, but I figured it was probably him because there was a dude in about the middle of the aisle who was looking at his phone, typing away. And as he was typing, I ended up getting a notification on my phone. So I'm like, okay, this is probably him. He sees me, he smiles, he comes up. We like shook hands and hugged and all that. And it was funny because whenever something like this happens, whenever there's like an offline meetup, there's always about, I would say with my experience, there's always been like five minutes of a little bit of awkwardness, like nothing terribly damning awkward, but it's just, it's just a disconnect. And it's funny because I saw, and this is nothing against him. It's just, I saw that in James. I, I could tell he was excited and it was kind of, I guess, I guess the best way I could describe it, he was having a disconnect of, holy shit, I have seen and heard this dude for seven years and now he is in front of me and like, he, he's a real person. Like, th there's no longer a screen that's between us. He is a real person who is right here. <laughs> so that was fine. And, and thankfully, I've, I've done enough of this now where I've, I've met with enough people where um, I'm able to handle it well enough. So if someone's excited or if someone's a little shy or what have you, I'm like, okay, you know what? We can work with this. It's all good. But it's funny because we were looking around at the store and his family was there as well too. So they got to meet me. They ended up grabbing a laptop while they were there. Uh, we kind of helped out a little bit with that. Uh, got a SSD for it as well because we ended up finding a cheap laptop that was pretty good for what it needed. And it had a hard drive in it. So I kind of tossed out the idea. I was like, hey, maybe you should get a solid state drive. And then since James is good with computers, he can just image your hard drive over to the solid state and you should be fine. So they end up doing that. And we were originally planning and shout out to his family on this, but we were originally planning on, um, you know, him and I were going to hang out and then we were going to get lunch. And I said, I'll pay for your lunch. You're in my area. I'll pay for you. And he was like, that's, he was saying, you know, that's real nice. Thank you. But what ended up happening was, um, at one point, his dad was saying, hey, so what are you guys going to do? And I said, well, I'm hungry. Like, you want to eat? James said, sure. And he said, well, hey, remember, we got pizza at two. And we were saying, oh, well, I mean, that's that's fine. What, what are we going to do? And then his dad said, well, look at the time. And it was about 1.30 at that point. So it's like, oh, well, we can't really eat food. And then you go get pizza. Like, that's just going to be rude. That's not going to work. And then his dad was asking, he's like, hey, uh, do you want to come with us? And I asked where it was at. They showed me the address. I said, sure, I know where that's at. So we were good on that. And thankfully, like, his his dad even paid for my food as well, too, which I said, like, are you sure? But if you're going to do that, thanks. Because, <laughs> again, I I was not, I was expecting to pay. But that that's not how it went. So either way, you know, then we had lunch together. And I think one of the most meta moments was, uh, 
my videos go out at like on Saturday at 3 p.m. And we're talking, we're eating food. And James kind of like looked at his phone and he's like, oh, hey, look. And he showed me that he had notifications that my video had gone live while he was talking to me. And that was just like a very funny but meta moment, I felt like. But yeah, you know, we got to hang out. We got to talk for a few hours. Um, we got pictures together. I got some. He got some on his phone. And then they had like a big family gathering as well, too. So I even said, I was like, hey, they were all very nice. But I was like, hey, hey, I'm, uh, I'm actually not part of the family at all. I really don't mind not being included in these photos. I, I have no reason to be in them. So if y'all want to give me a camera or a phone or like five phones, I can take as many photos as you all want. So I helped with that as well, too. And then they had to go do other things. But it was real cool that we got to talk for a few hours and hang out and all that stuff. And, you know, thankfully, I, I, <laughs> I was talking with some others who we have kind of a group chat going on. And I said, yo, I, I met with James for the first time. He's a good dude. And James said that I was awesome meeting offline. So, you know, James, thanks for taking some time out of your day to hang out. That was definitely fun. And it was really awesome to uh, hang out with one of my one of my oldest and I would say really one of my most loyal subscribers for a while, because I'm sure he doesn't watch or listen to every single thing I do. But he has been I, I know his, I'm I'm very familiar with his username even though I don't remember the last four numbers, but I'm very familiar with his username. If I pop up, I'm, if he pop, if it pops up, I'm like, hey, yep, that's him. And it's popped up for years on YouTube, on Twitter. I think that's about it. I don't think you're on Instagram, dude. So either way, though, that was real fun. I know uh, one of the other things, I've never shared this story either, but this kind of is a little story about meeting offline that I wanted to share as well, too. Uh, the first time I'd ever met Devin, we ended up meeting at a barcade, and we hung out, we talked for a few hours, and then I remember, uh, I still have this video up on my channel, but I think it's something called, like, meeting up with a subscriber for the first time, and it's just, like, the shitty, like, it's in the dark, and it's such low frame rate, and I'm, like, talking on my front-facing camera and saying, hey, I'm outside here in public, and guess what? I just met one of my subscribers for the first time. Shout yourself out. Then Devin comes into frame, and he, like, plugs his Twitter and all that, and I was like, well, it's cool meeting you, man. You know, appreciate it. We just got done hanging out. So it, it was just a little funny, shitty video like that, but it was something I very much wanted to do that I was I was excited about. So we, we end up doing that. And I remember then there were several other times that we end up hanging out. And I want to say it might not have been the second time, but I think the third time we hung out, I invited Devin to meet up at my apartment and there were several friends that I had over and we were just going to like carpool together to go somewhere. And I don't even remember 100% what we were doing, but I just remember that it was Devin who was coming over and it was myself and Sean and maybe one other person. And Sean really doesn't have an internet presence. He doesn't do any of the YouTube stuff. He really doesn't do social media all that much. But you all have seen him. If you've been on the channel long enough, you all see him. My boy Sean, you all know who he is, hopefully. Now, what ended up happening was uh, Sean ended up, he was just sitting on the couch, like, you know, like no one's business. He was just chilling there. And then Devin came over. He knocked on the door. I welcomed him in. And what happened was he looked at Sean sitting on the couch and he was like, whoa, you're a, I know who you are. I've, I've seen you in videos before. And Sean just 
he he gave the best response. He just kind of raised his hand halfway, like in a in a half waving motion, and he said, "Sup." That was about it. <laughs> and it's funny because I just thought that was funny, and that that's the most Sean reaction that he could have. And it wasn't until a few weeks later it was brought up again, and Sean kind of were hanging out. And he said, "You know, dude." You remember, who who is that one guy that we met that, like, he knew you from your YouTube? I said, oh, Devin? He said, yeah. You know when he came over and he said that he saw me like he recognized me from your videos? Yeah. That's like the coolest thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> so I just, I just loved that moment as well, too. Like, I already thought it was great. And then for Sean to tell me that's like one of the coolest things that's ever happened in his life, I think that's fantastic. I've had I've had a few goals for the channel, uh, aside from, you know, the milestones here. And after this, I don't have another channel milestone. I'll be honest, I have no other channel milestones. If my channel just stagnates in growth, you know what? I'm satisfied at that point. But what ended up happening is I've had three goals that I've wanted to hit on the channel. I've hit, I've hit two of them, so I'm going to share this as well, too. My first goal was I wanted to release a video that would break the view count, that would freeze the views. And in case you don't know, for years, if your video got enough views in a short amount of time, it would freeze at anywhere from like 298 to 302 views. Typically, it would break at 301 views. It would just stop counting there, and you could have 3,000 people view your video, and it would be stuck at 301 while YouTube audited your video's view count in the background and then it would apply the views later on. So you never lost views. A lot of people freaked out about it. And then once they realized what the glitch was and YouTube had talked about it, it was actually kind of a, it was an honor to have that. It was really impressive to, you know, have a channel where you had so many people fucking with you that as soon as you drop a video within an hour, you break the view count. So I never really had that. And I had one video, I remember, one video particularly that ended up, breaking that view count and I end up getting stuck at 301 and I I was very proud of that and that was the first goal I had my second goal was I was wanting to meet one of my subscribers and I did that with Devin so he was the first person I did that with uh, he reached out to me we talked he had known me from my channel and then we met up we ha we hung out that was a real another really awesome goal and that's why I recorded that video the the final goal I have for the channel is like a, a, something personal I'd like to accomplish is I'd like to see if I ever get shouted out in public. The closest, the closest I've ever gotten is there was one dude who was yelling my name one time and I kind of looked over and when he yelled it a few more times and he was, he was yelling my name, Danny, he wasn't yelling Mr. Mario or Mario. And I saw him and he ended up saying, Hey, yeah, it's good to see you. Keep up the awesome work on your videos, dude. And it was really awesome that he did that. I certainly wasn't expecting that. I knew exactly who he was. The thing is, I had gone to school with this dude for years, so that didn't count. But that's like my final thing, and I'm kind of just putting it out there for anybody who's listening to the podcast. Like My final thing that would really make me happy with the channel is the day, hopefully they're cool. That's, that's one thing I have to preface. Hopefully you're cool about it. Just please just keep it on the down-down. Just don't be yelling my name in public or anything. Don't be screaming to get me. Don't, don't be... <laughs> I know you might be excited. I just have to say this. I know you might be excited. I'm not a celebrity at all. Or I'm just a normal dude. You can come approach me. If you say like, hey, are you Mr. Mario? 
I'll tell you, yes, I am. You know, we can hug it out. We can shake hands. I can get some photos with you. I, I, I could do whatever. If, if you know, I, I'm in an opportune position to hang out for a bit, I don't even mind hanging out with you for a bit. You know, I'll be polite about it. Uh, but that's, that's my next goal. My next goal is I would like to randomly meet a subscriber in public. And thankfully, with, with the channel's you know, with the channel's growth at this point, I've even kind of told my girlfriend as well, too. I said, you know, I'm just letting you know, kind of brace for impact. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but there is a very realistic possibility that in the next few years, if I keep at this, we might get, like, I might get shouted out in public and you might be with me when it happens. And she's all cool with it, so she's been really awesome and supportive, thankfully, this whole time. But yeah, that, that's my last thing. Again, if if you are one of those people who you're listening to the podcast, first of all, thank you. But again, if you're trying to meet up or somewhere, if you, if you ever see me in public, if you ever see me randomly, like feel free to say, hey, Mario or Mr. Mario, or just come up to me and ask me if I'm Mr. Mario. But you know, just again, be chill. I'll be. I'll chill with you. You can chill with me, but we don't have to make a huge scene about it. Is what I'm saying. All right. Remember, I'm an introvert. All right. <laughs> but I'll, I'll be more than happy to meet up with you. It would definitely put a smile on my face. So unless I'm having a really bad day, I don't know. That doesn't happen that much, thankfully. But unless it happens, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. So I ended up getting. Speaking of channels, this isn't really with with mine here in particular, but. I have a business email. It's business at mrmario.net. That's spelled out though, M-I-S-T-E-R-M-A-R-I-O dot net. And I ended up uh, getting a email along these lines. And I, I don't want to say the user's name or anything, but I want to talk about it a little bit. I'm, I'm really not trying to put them on blast. There might be some some things I say, but, but we'll just, hey, we'll take it one step at a time. So this guy sent me an email. He said, hey, just wondering how much would it take for a shout out Just put me in comments of your vids like, check this guy out, or in description, I don't know. I'm trying to hit 1,000 subscribers. I've been modding for years back, but never uploaded YouTube videos. And I just started for a week ago and hit 150 subscribers soon. Yeah, I know it's not much, but at least I'm trying. He gave me some personal information, just saying how old he is, where he's from, and then he said, I'm trying to get bigger. It would mean a lot if you could help me out. I get cash every Monday, like he told me how much money he's making, uh, but if it's a li- but it's a little bit, you can check it out. I can pay you. He told me how much he'd pay me if you, to you, if you shout me sometimes in videos to get 1,000 subscribers. It would mean a lot, bro. And also, keep up the good work. Love watching your videos. I will not post like shitty content. We'll start talking. We'll, we'll start with talking in my vids and do tutorials gameplay, modding vids, and more. So yeah, please message me back. And I did send him a message back, and I, hopefully he got it. Uh, but I did tell him, I said, I appreciate the hustle. However, I do not do paid shoutouts on my channel, nor do I fulfill requested shoutouts. I'd encourage you to keep working at your craft, enjoy yourself doing it. Everyone starts at zero subscribers. And that's exactly what I said. I never heard back from him, but I stand by that. Now, I, I wanted to bring this up because... This is not the way you go, and I'm saying this respectfully, this is not the way that this person or anybody should go about going, trying to build yourself up on YouTube. Now, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, this guy can, you know, he can email me if he wants to, I really doubt he's going to listen to this, 
But I feel like he was wanting to get to a thousand subscribers because at that point, if you have a thousand subscribers and you have a certain amount of watch time, you can begin to monetize your channel. And yes, while monetizing your channel would be a nice addition, if that is solely really what you're gunning after, you're in YouTube for, for the wrong reasons. You got to enjoy what you're doing. And, you know, the numbers might or might not come because it's not going to be a guaranteed success. But I, you know, peeked at his channel and all that. And shortly after I said no to him, I saw he hit a thousand subscribers just like that. And it, it didn't look natural. It did not look like natural growth at all. It looked like that it was botted, that there was a service that added the subscribers to his channel. And again, that is certainly not a way you're supposed to go at that point. I'd also seen that this guy had a Instagram account that he tried to reach out to me on. And initially when he reached out to me, I noticed it was a little bit fishy um, because he had like 49,500 followers. And I noticed that I had four people that I was following who were following this account. So I reached out to one of them and I said, hey, do you at all know of this guy or this account or do you remember this at all? And my friend said, no. Um, this doesn't look familiar to me at all. I would have never followed this account. It doesn't even have content on it yet. And I said, okay, thanks for confirming my suspicion. To me, it looks like this guy had either purchased a high follower Instagram account, or maybe he even stole the account. I don't know. But I also noticed that on, on this channel, he's been trying to promote this account as well too, and end up losing tens of thousands of subscribe of, of followers. So the Instagram account, when I most recently checked it, it's at like 34 or 35,000 followers. So either Instagram did a bot audit against this account, or a lot of people started seeing this account under a new name. Like they, they followed this account previously, and then when it changed hands and changed name, because that's what it looks like to me, when it started posting some content, it looked like that a lot of people might have also just un unfollowed this account as well, too, which is very possible. I, I do that with accounts I see on Twitter and Instagram. There's many accounts that I will follow, and something might happen where this account will get sold to someone else. So then they end up changing. They wipe the account. They change the name. They change the information on there. And then I see this fresh account come up that I'm already following that has like 20,000 followers on it. And I unfollow at that point because I'm like, I, I don't know what this is. I never, I probably followed what this used to be, but I'm certainly not following what it currently is. And I also saw even to add on to that as well, too, there were a bunch of likes on like three posts that were on this account. And each of them had like a 1,094 likes, 1,096 likes, 1,092 likes. Like it was, it was very similar between the two, and that is extremely indicative of like botting as well, too. And I just want to say, you know, all of this, all of that combined, that is that is not how you're supposed to be growing online. That's not going to help out. That is really all a lie. It's extremely obvious to people as well, too. You don't even have to be an SEO master. You don't have to be in marketing or anything else. You can just be like me who knows a little bit about this stuff or even just someone who might maybe don't even know about it, but you can look at it and be all like, that's really strange that you uploaded three posts and they have like almost the same like count. Like just 
just this arbitrary number. And even the comments as well, too, can be just very generic as well. I see a lot of people doing this, and I feel like it's just it's a really impatient thing overall. But that that's what I want to tell people. It might look lucrative. It might look like, you know, you're going to really get those numbers up and you might feel good. But you got to remember, if you're doing that, you know, you're cheating the system and you're just lying to yourself at that point. If you have 500,000 botted followers, congratulations, you have 500,000 followers. But guess what? They're all bots. They, they weren't organically gained. They weren't or that's no organic growth. You're just speaking with a bunch of fake accounts and robots and pandering to them at that point. And is that is that really worth it? Like, <laughs> to me, it's not. To me, it's certainly not. I've never paid for any of those services. I've looked into them as interest before because I've been interested to see how they work, how things are added. But I've never botted, you know, my I've never botted my tweets. I've never botted my uh, what is it? My followers on Twitter, on Instagram, subscribers on YouTube, views on YouTube. I've never done any of that. Never done it. Never ever. Because I've thought of that as well, too. I said, you know what? If I do this and I get 100,000 views on a video, awesome. But I'm I'm going to be the one who knows that 98,000 of those I had to pay for. And the other 2,000 just kind of organically came up. So I can't recommend that at all. Plus, on top of it, you know, I'm just going to say with this channel, as I said, I, I've looked at it here and there. And the content is... It's still not there. It's not there. And, and that's the problem. When you're really taking these shortcuts, you're not going to grow into that role. Uh, a lot of it is really kind of like giveaways, modding services and such. That looks to be how this account seems to be growing with any type of numbers. Occasionally, one video will do super well. The others are going to get, you know, low views here and there. And that could maybe be because that one video is view botted, or maybe that was because that was a video where they were doing a giveaway or providing a modding service of some kind. But even so, you know, the videos are kind of quick, low quality type stuff, um, and there's no talking in them. I mean, this, this was sent to me about a month ago, and I know that he's been consistently uploading, and there's still no talking in them. So, it's not a good look. And look, I'm not trying to, you know, that I'm holding back his name, I'm holding back his username and all that stuff. Because I don't want anyone to go after, I don't want anyone to shame this person. But I'm just saying, this, what this gentleman is doing, what many, many other people have done, this is not how you grow on social media. Whether it be YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, that's not how you do it, alright? I just wanted to say that. <laughs> now, one thing I also wanted to talk about as well, let's talk about some gaming-related stuff, because, man, I've been talking about YouTube channels for almost an hour. I have no idea how to pronounce this, by the way. This is from an Ars Technica article, and it's about this Atari arcade game, and it's a prototype arcade game. From what I know, it was, test it was created, it was tested, and people didn't think it was very good. So it didn't get released. That's at least what I'm seeing here. But it is Aka-R. I believe that's how you say it. It's spelled A-K-K-A -A space A-R-R-H. I don't know how you really pronounce it. But apparently there's... I'm really boiling it down here. In short, there are... On, on one handful, like on you, you can count on one hand the amount of people that own the actual arcade cabinet for this. 
And imagine the surprise of many people who collect ROMs or trying to get complete ROM sets and all that when this game has been known to be a really rare prototype. It's been playable a few times, it's been taken to conventions, it's been brought out in public, but then gone back into collectors' hands, but collectors have allowed people to play it in public settings. But imagine the surprise of many when a ROM of this ended up going online, and it was the full game, and it's perfectly playable, so you can download this game. Yes, it is piracy. I'm not endorsing it, but I'm just saying it's out there on the internet. You can download this game, you can run it on MAME, you can play it. It works. It is the full prototype that these you know one on one hand like you can count the amount of people on one hand that actually own this game legitimately now apparently what ended up happening was the people who have uh, the people who own this there is one of them who has said that this was stolen from them and i guess there is this little bit here but let me see uh one user they go by smitdog they say that the dump came from an anonymous donor, and then there was another person named Atari Scott who had an explosive accusation, as Ars Technica says, on the score that the dump came from an anonymous donor. And Atari Scott apparently says, there were only three machines ever built, all are in high-end collections. One collector had a tech come and work on some of his games. The unscrupulous tech copied the ROMs without permission. The game was not broken, and not one he was supposed to fix. Fix in quotes. The owner is reviewing a couple of months of security video to see if he can catch him in the act. This is the first time that someone has actually had the balls to steal ROMs from a collector. And if this is the way this got out, that that is horrible, unfortunately. I know some people might be saying, oh, well, this person, you know, the, the collectors, there's only three of them, so there. We end up saying that there's three people. Three people in the world, own legitimate cabinets of this game. So some people, they might be on one side and they say, oh, well, you know, they were just hoarding this game and it wasn't properly preserved. And, you know, now it's available to the masses and shame on these collectors for hoarding it for so long and all this stuff. First of all, we really can't say if it wasn't accurately preserved. Um, it might have very well been preserved in, in private by these collectors. And maybe they end up having, you know, future plans to eventually release it is it shitty that they might have just wanted to hold on to it yes it is um, but at the same time it is their property that they have they also don't have the rights to distribute it online so i totally understand it is atari in 2019 going to come after them for leaking this out no 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 it's not going to happen a, a, the current day atari is completely different than what it used to be they're not going to care about this. Again, there, there's three copies of this game that exist in its current physical form. So it's not like it was some super hot release or anything. But I will say that if this is how it happened, that is incredibly shitty. But it's also a little bit fishy, which a lot of people have really been wondering as well, too. Because when it comes down to this, um, if you have to dump one of these arcade boards, I don't know the full details of it, but an actual arcade board, just imagine you have a giant PCB, right? A giant one. And then you have chips on each one. They could be like 8 or 10 or 20 leg chips. You have a bunch of chips on there. Each chip is programmed separately. It's burned separately. 
because that's how a lot of these were done back in the day. It wasn't as simple as like, let's say, for example, um, is it the Chihiro? It's not as simple as that, like, for example, where that was a, you get an arcade cabinet, you have whatever DRM you need to unlock the actual game, and then you load the ROM onto that cabinet. And the uh, Chihiro, for example, it was on a disc. So you get your little DRM stick that might come with that copy of the game. You take your game, you pop it in, you load it up. After a few minutes, you're done. That's it. Uh, it th that was not like it at all. You, you have your giant PCB, and, and I'm just counting right here. Let me see. Uh... So let's say 10, for example, and there is over 100 chips. I'm looking at this right now just as like a board example, and I'm going to try and remember. I'll put the link to this article down below in the description so you all can really read up on it. But yeah, this is here a detail on the ROM chips housing the recently unearthed game data for Aka-R. I believe that's how you say it. So there's well over 100 chips on this thing, and from what I understand... You don't just plug this this PCB in and hit dump on a program and dump it over. You have to take each of these chips off the board and dump them one by one. And then that, that's hoping you dump it all properly. And once you dump the data off every single chip and you do whatever magic you need to to combine it all together, at that point, you then have your ROM that you can distribute. So that's one thing. It looks like this Atari, the the anonymous collector who had the stolen from his collection, because again, there's three people in the world this could have come from. There's three people in the world, and we don't know which one of the three it is. It sounds like, I mean, based on this, I believe Atari Scott might be one of these owners. So I guess now we're going to... I guess we're going to say that. It's going to be two people. If it's not Atari Scott, he's one of the owners... At that point, it, it's almost hard to believe unless this was like a, 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 a day-long operation where you kind of just let a tech into your house and you said, hey, you know what? Have fun. Um, here's the two arcade cabinets I need to have worked on. Please fix these. Let me know when you're leaving. What I'm saying is it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of time for that tech to go and find the arcade cabinet, to open it up, to then remove every single chip, dump every chip, put them back, so you remove a chip, you dump it, you put it back on, you remove another, you dump it, you pop it back on. You do that, you make sure the game, assuming, I mean, if this is a tech, they're going to be professional about it, but then, you know, once they're all done, they have to then, at that point, um, how do I say, they have to make sure that they didn't break the game, is what I'm saying. They have to close it up, make sure, you know, it didn't look like it was busted in. I don't know if that was a detail, I don't know if it was very obvious that it was like that, but then at that point, you know, the tech has his computer with him. He'll go home. He or she will go home. They will work on this. They'll get all the data, coagulate it together, have a working ROM of this, and then they dump it. That is what they're claiming would have happened. But it's like, you know, again, that's a really long operation to do this. Plus, these chips, like I'm looking at this here. Hold on. Let me, oh, I can't get a better photo of this, unfortunately. I'm going to do the best I can to zoom in. Some of these chips are socketed, but most of these are soldered on. So you're going to have to go in and desolder each chip and then dump it and then solder it back onto the board. Like, if if anything, and, and that's why a lot of people have really kind of doubted this as well, too. It's like, was this really stolen by a tech who came to work on things at your home? 
Or is it just that one of the three owners had already dumped the game, or decided to dump the game just now, and wanted to release it to the masses, and then just do it anonymously, and say, oh yeah, coincidentally, I also had a tech work on it on, on my collection a few months ago, so it must be the tech. Now, this article that I'm reading, it was released on April 26th of this year. I don't think we've gotten a follow-up on that, so... I mean, we're really going to see, I guess, hopefully there there could be, you know, a follow-up update on this, but my thoughts on this, my thoughts, I personally feel like these collectors, I don't think they're crazy. I think if they know that they have these super rare boards and these games, that they are going to dump them, they're going to preserve them. So, to me, it's not at all a crazy idea that one of the collectors had, again, had this already dumped or decided to now dump it for the first time, verified they got it working, and then released it online anonymously, and then came back later and said, yeah, uh, this this wasn't this wasn't me. Because I'm, I'm sure once this released, all three of these owners got in contact with each other like, wait, 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 we're the three people in the world that have this game. We are the three people. Which one of you dumped it? And I'm sure the person who dumped it was then able to come back and say, oh, hey, uh, that, that wasn't, you know, I actually had a tech at my house a few weeks ago. It had to be him. I, I'm going to start looking through this footage and see what's going on. That's personally what I feel like might have happened because I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. I don't think the tech would have had all of the because it's such a complex board. I'm looking at this here. I don't think the tech would have had the time to go through and dump every single chip and put it back on and make sure you know it all works just fine and make sure it looks untouched and then work on the other jobs that they were supposed to there. I. I personally doubt that. I guess time will tell, though. We'll see. Um, but either way, this was, you know, silver lining. This was a game that many people wanted to try, many people have heard of, many people have checked out, and uh, or wanted to check out, you know, they at a co co convention and such. And now they're able to, if they get the ROM and play it off MAME. I know one thing that's also been discussed is whether this is really going to devalue the original cabinets. In my opinion, I think it's going to devalue them, if anything, in the short term. But as more people learn about the game and then play the game, I feel like the value is going to even skyrocket on them. Uh, simply because then people are going to want the original cabinets that have this game if they really like it or if they know how rare it is. So that's my thoughts on it. So let me know what you all think of this. And again, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna, yeah, I'll keep it there for now. I'm. I am going to try and ensure that I have it linked in the show notes in the description on YouTube. So hopefully that can provide you all some nice reading material. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, which I always talk about on this podcast, is what games are I playing? Man, I can't English right now. That's what happens when I talk for over an hour straight. What games am I playing right now? Well, I can finally say... I've been saying for months, I've been saying for months at this point, you all, I've been playing Darksiders. Guess what? Guess what? I finished Darksiders, finally. Finished it on the Switch. That is a fantastic game. I very much enjoyed it. And it's really funny because I remember I was talking with, oh god, I have to admit this, I guess, I was talking to some people in GameStop. Yes, I went to GameStop. I can explain that at one point. But I went to GameStop, and I was talking to the people there, because they were asking, hey, what are you playing? Like, what what are you what are you playing right now? What systems do you primarily game on? 
And I thankfully have a list of the games that I finished. So I kind of ran through them and we had a really good conversation about all these games. And I said at one point, I said, I'm currently playing through Darksiders. And I had mentioned that whenever I've played Darksiders in the past, I get about 20 or 30 minutes in and then I just stop playing and I never play it again. And it's not because I hate the game. It's just I stopped playing it. And the girl there was like, what? How could you do that? Like, how? How is that possible? I was like, I don't know. I don't. It just happens. All right. It's not that I hate the game. It's just every time I start playing it, I get about 20, 30 minutes in and then I stop. I have no good excuse for it, but I'm almost done. So I'm going to finish it. And I finished it and it is fantastic. Um, it is on the PC, the Xbox 360, the PS3, PS4, Wii U, I believe, uh, Xbox One, Switch. I think that's it. It's been released and re-released a few times. So I absolutely recommend picking it up if you haven't. Uh, if you want to play it on the Switch, which is what I played it on, I felt like it was a fantastic port on there. Uh, you can play it in a high-resolution 30 frames per second mode, or if you don't mind you know, downgrading the visuals, you can play it in a lower visual fidelity, lower resolution, 60 frames a second mode. I chose to play in 60 frames a second, and while it didn't look pretty all the time, I will say, man, it played like a dream. It played at 60 frames per second with no issue. I was super happy with it. Plus, I was able to play it on the go, play it here and there, play it on breaks and such. So I very much enjoyed it. You can get it for anywhere from like, depending on the system you get it on and the platform, you can get it for anywhere from like $2 to $30. Uh, I paid 30 bucks for it on Switch. So, well, that that's the MSRP for it. I think I paid less for it. But uh, yeah, you can pick it up for 30 bucks on Switch. So if you're wanting a, a good portable Zelda type game, I'd recommend it. I do want to play Darksiders. I know Darksiders 3 has come out. Darksiders, it's not 4, but Darksiders Genesis has just been announced. And I do want to play Darksiders 2. However, it is kind of sort of leaked out that Darksiders 2 is going to also get remastered on the Switch. So you already know me, all right? I want to play it on the Switch. I'm waiting for the Switch version to release, and then I'm going to be picking that thing up. So... That's going to be a fun one. Uh, the other games I've been playing, I talked about Deathmark a few months ago because Deathmark was the first visual novel I ever played, and I very much enjoyed it. Well, I picked it up, I bought it this time, and I started playing it again. And it's enjoyable. Um, it is slow um, because they, they really, there's not a way to easily skip the dialogue. Like the dialogue kind of just like goes slowly on your screen. And then you press X and it goes slowly on your screen again. And then if you just skip it, like you hold one of the shoulder buttons or one of the triggers, you're just blasting through it. So that's only good if you're like reloading your save and you want to get like, you know, back to the point where you were before. But I had checked it out uh, from my local library, actually. So I was able to borrow it for free and I played through it on PS4. And I think I had said something along the lines of, you know, I, I'd kind of gone back and forth on buying it for Switch and... I am happy I decided to play it for free, but I really wish, you know, if, if I was going to go back and I knew how good of a game it was, I would have picked it up on Switch. However, however, uh, in short, and I think I'll talk about this at length later on, I might do a full video for it, uh, I end up getting my girlfriend a PlayStation Vita, and she's very much enjoyed it, and she has really enjoyed, surprisingly, fighting games, but also a lot of visual novels and anime-type games. So it gave me a really good excuse to go and buy a bunch of games that I wanted to on the Vita that were recommended to me that I'd been wanting to for a while, and one of them was Deathmark. So I end up getting the special edition on there. Uh, the one thing that is quite 
quite bogus, in my opinion, is that the PS4 version, it has five chapters, and if you get the good ending, you unlock chapter six. If you get the normal ending, you you can't get any further, all right? You have to play through the game, get the good ending, and then you can unlock chapter six. Same thing on the Switch, not Switch, same thing on the Vita, except on the Vita, it does not include the sixth chapter. So in order to get through it, you have to beat the game, if you're playing on Vita, you have to play through it and get the good ending, and then you have to pay $10 for chapter six. But at least they do tell you that if you download chapter, if you pay for download, like for chapter six and download it, you can only play it if you have a save that has the good ending on it. So I'm sure some people might have gotten shafted with that. I don't know, but that just annoyed me a little bit. I'm like, come on, they, you all included on the PS4 version and not on the Vita one. And I even, I even went out and I bought the special edition of the Vita version. It doesn't come with a download code or anything for it. That that would have been a nice touch, but oh well. That really that irked me. Um, the other thing as well too. Uh, this could be positive or negative depending on depending on the type of person you are. Uh, for me, it was a negative. But the Vita and the PS4 versions have different trophy sets. So exact same trophies, but you can unlock trophies for Deathmark on PS4, and then you can unlock trophies for Deathmark on Vita. But it is not a cross-play title. It is not shared trophies. And that was a little disappointing to me, because I was like, damn, okay, so I can't, like... I can't use the Vita version to complete the trophies on the PS4 version. So I think one day I will gun after the platinum ver like the platinum trophy on uh on Deathmark, but I'm going to do it on the Vita. So uh, I've gotten through, you know, the first part of it. I enjoyed it again. It's still a good game. Uh, but the other game that I have been playing that I picked up thanks to limited run games was the House of I. How do you say that? I man, I'm just I'm I'm just finding all these games this episode that I don't. I don't know how to pronounce um, the house in Fata Morgana or Fata Morgana. I don't know how you say that, but uh, it seems to have extremely positive reviews. Uh, I'm just now dabbling into visual novels for the first time, by the way. The, the, the closest I've ever gotten have been, you know, the quantum, uh, the Quantic Dream games, the Telltale games, things like that. Uh, so I'm delving into these for the first time. However, I know that this was a big deal when it was releasing on Vita. People were extremely excited about it. Apparently, there is a big visual novel site where it's just like kind of just, you know, a, a headquarters and a nice database for all the visual novels that are out there. And apparently this is in like top 10 of like most recently really good visual novels. I looked it up. It seems to have about 30 hours of gameplay or so on it. I am barely into it, but so far I am really enjoying it. The art style is great. The story has been keeping me gripped and the sound is so nice. And I, I feel like they do that because, I mean, it lacks gameplay. The, these visual novels lack gameplay between Deathmark and the House in Feta Morgana. These games, you, you really don't play them. You essentially, you read them. So Deathmark does have more gameplay, don't get me wrong, but they have to focus so much on the art and the sound design. Because I'll tell you, man, like when I was playing through Deathmark, there were a few times I was playing it on my PS4 in my basement. I had to stop playing it a few times because it was just way too creepy with the atmosphere, everything I was reading. Because I'm a very active reader as well. So when I'm reading something, I'm like visualizing a film in my head. 
So this was different as well, too, because it's, I guess, kind of a comic in a way, you could say. And I don't mean that in an insulting way, but, you know, I'm not just reading text on a screen. I'm reading text on a screen. There's very, you know, lush images that are accompanying it as well, too. So you have a visual to immediately stick to it. You don't have your own visual that you're creating in your head, but you can let your you let your mind run wild. So that's been cool. I also picked up a bunch of other visual novel games on the Vita. So now we share that collection. That's been real nice. But yeah, that's what I've been playing. Uh, unfortunately, I don't really have too much to say on it right now. Uh, one, because it is a story heavy game. So I don't want to spoil it. But two, I am barely into it. So, so far, I'm enjoying it, though. So far, I am. Anyways, I think we're good at this point. You know, I think we're good. We've gotten to a good point. I wanted this to be under an hour, but you know how I be, man. Um, as the Segaholic once said before, I have the gift of gab. And I know he I know he meant that with, with all the love in the world. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you, Segaholic. I appreciate it. But yeah, I love to talk. I love to ramble, things like that, even though sometimes I need my alone time, but I can still do this. So anyways, th this was definitely a fun episode that I enjoyed. Um, and let me see, I, I, need, I need to think of, before I forget, I need to think of a a word to give you all, a magic word, all right? Atari, how about that? If you leave a comment on the YouTube video upload of this episode and you use the word Atari in your comment, I will know that you made it until the very end of this episode and I will very much appreciate you. So let me know what you all thought of this episode. If you enjoyed it, you know, a like is absolutely fine. If you didn't like it, a dislike is fine as well, too. I'd like to know your thoughts on, you know, hey, I, I even asked about it, you know. I, I'd like to know your thoughts on the Atari leak. That'd be kind of interesting. Um, any other thoughts you might have as well, too, that would be great. And if you are wanting a, if you want, if you're listening to the audio version and you want to participate with the community, check me out on YouTube. I am Mr. Mario 2011, and you can find a video upload of this. I promise the video is nothing really crazy to look at. It's just a nice background image. At least I think it was nice. I had to pay for it, <laughs> but a background image with a visualizer that I put on top of it that goes according to the audio here. And if you are on the YouTube side of things, if you ever want to take this on the go, you are totally welcome to download this because it is a podcast. So you can check this out on most major podcasting platforms. Simply look up Mario's Minute and you can subscribe there on whichever platform you're using. I'm not greedy. You can use, I don't even know if you can use iTunes anymore. Wait a minute, because Apple just kind of acts that or they're phasing it out. Um, but you can use, you know, Google Podcasts, iTunes, I guess, maybe Google Play, uh, before that dies, Spotify, we're on there, uh, Podbean, that's where I upload everything, and you can find it there as well, too. Most major po podcasting platforms, it's available. But yeah, again, keyword Atari. If you use the word Atari, the name Atari, in your comments, I don't know, you made it until the end of this episode. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for watching and listening, everyone. Until next month.